Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. In today's episode, you will have an incredible opportunity to be a part of something that will positively impact so many others. Just by simply downloading this episode and sharing an image to social media. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Think about your sister, your aunt, or your mother who has battled breast cancer. Or maybe yourself. Maybe you've been the one on the other side of receiving a breast cancer diagnosis. Breastcancer.org shares that one in eight U.S. women, which is about 13%, will develop invasive breast cancer over her lifetime. There are two simple ways for you to help. The first way is by downloading this episode. The second way to help is by sharing an image of you with your horse with the hashtag HorsesHeal on your social media. We want to nurture and build a community of support by sharing experiences with Living Beyond Breast Cancer, the four-star rated nonprofit we supported last year. For more details, check out our show notes. For every download on this episode and every image shared with the hashtag HorsesHeal from now through October 31st, 2022, Stanley will be donating $5 to Writing Beyond, a therapeutic writing program for women recovering from breast cancer treatment. If we get 300 downloads and images, we'll donate $1,500. If we get 700 downloads and images, we'll donate $3,500. And if we receive more downloads and images than that, we'll donate more money. So share this with your family, friends, and colleagues. Share this on your social media pages and in your Facebook groups. Help us support anyone who may receive this devastating diagnosis in the future. We will be talking with three great guests on today's episode who have been impacted by breast cancer and what they're now doing to make a difference in the healing of individuals fighting breast cancer and their families in our rural communities and beyond. Our next guest is a certified therapeutic writing instructor and certified equine specialist in mental health and learning through PATH International over the past 30 years. She has established two premier accredited therapeutic writing centers. Ten years ago, she founded Writing Beyond, a nonprofit in Southern Oregon for women recovering from the many after effects of breast cancer treatment. Welcome, Trish Brorsma, to the Beyond the Barn podcast. Thanks so much for being here, Trish. Thank you, Katie. I'm very happy to be here. So as I mentioned in your bio, you're obviously the founder of Writing Beyond and director of it. What was your draw to get involved, first of all, in equine therapy, but even more so one focused on serving those who are healing from breast cancer and its treatments? Well, it started many years ago. I was teaching riding and training horses, but I really felt something was missing, in particular because I had done a number of years of work in community development, and I knew there were so many people 
in inner city communities who would benefit from being with horses, but the industry was not accessible to them financially. And when I heard about therapeutic riding, I knew also from my original pursuit of possibly being a doctor, you know, which I dropped as I went into graduate school. So all that really came together when I heard about therapeutic riding, that here was a way through nonprofit structure, you know, working with healing with horses, which I hadn't even thought about being possible at that point. And then, so I followed that route for quite a number of years. And at one point, I was doing teaching internationally. I had, you know, I was following some of the work I'd done with at-risk teens. And I wanted to do something more here for our local community. I had stepped away from the therapeutic writing program here. And at a conference, it was one of those amazing coincidences. At a conference, I was introduced to a program by a woman who had been in hospice, actually, from her own experience with breast cancer treatment. And she discovered that being up on her one remaining horse that she had kept in anticipation, you know, that she wasn't going to survive, she became well within, you know, a year. And she was offering this, had been offering it for several years. And so I just picked up on it. I came home because I had accompanied two very close friends through breast cancer treatment. I'd gone to treatment with them and I had seen what they'd gone through. And it never occurred to me that my horses at the therapeutic writing program could have been of help to them. But as I entered this work, it was extremely eye-opening how my personal horses stepped into the work in really miraculous and amazing ways that I never would have anticipated. And it took me into an entirely deeper understanding of the sentient qualities and healing abilities of horses, which has been thrilling and wonderful to experience. That is so amazing. I really, really love that. Can you tell us a little bit about the equines that you have in your program? Yes. Well, right now there are four in the program. And the first one who 10 years ago got us started is Mystic. She was actually my endurance horse. She's half Arab. She's a half thoroughbred, uh, Anglo-Arab. And she was known as the dominatrix of the barn. She was actually quite difficult in many ways. But she and I had worked out our relationship many years before by my working with her at Liberty, giving her more choice, where, and where there was a burden on me to become more skillful in relating to her when she was free in a large area, larger than a round pin, which didn't allow that kind of choice. And so when I introduced her to this work, she right away with our first client, she came up and started nuzzling her in her solar plexus area. And I'd never seen her do anything like that before. And she just went on and on. And, you know, I finally put my hand on her chest and asked her to step back. And our client was just weeping, really, because she said that that was where her tumor was. And she said that the reason she didn't step away from the horse, which I was just standing there amazed why she hadn't, because I knew she was afraid of horses. And she said that she experienced this amazing energy just pouring into her from the horse, and she just wanted more of it. And so that was the beginning. We were all in tears as well. That was the beginning of our realizing we were onto something that was beyond anything we had understood before. 
And so in the meantime, so she, Mystic sort of got us started. And then Journey is another horse who he's a Rocky Mountain horse. He's bigger. Many Rockies are smaller, more like Mystic, who's 14.3, but Journey's 15.1. Oh, no, he's actually 15.3, come to think of it. Yeah, he's 15.3. So he's bigger, and he's a gelding, and he just has a more powerful male presence. But he also is a kind of ADD kind of personality. He's always kind of looking around. He's kind of distractible. And But in recent years, he's like 16, and Mystic is 22 now. He has just stepped into the work in the most amazing way. He's just clearly understanding what's going on. I could tell an amazing story of what he's done in the last, just in the last few months, but I don't think we really have quite time for it, but that's this kind of typical. Now our third of what happens, you know, that the horses step into this work. The third horse is a Mustang, and she's more of a kind of Zen presence. She's extremely calm without being dissociated. And she just exudes that calm and power. And then our fourth equine is Jenny the donkey. And she's really in some ways more comical and comic relief. And But she's friendly. I mean, she was part of the herd out in the field and we weren't including her in the program, but she would come to the gate and um, stick her head through and and just bray at us until we paid attention to her. And we said, okay, okay, you can join the program. <laughs> so, so she's, she's like, uh, don't forget she, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was, you know, those are the four right now. They all offer completely different personality traits and gifts to Oh, that's our wonderful. Interactions. Yes. And do the participants need to have any experience with horses to participate? No, not at all. We do adjust the program according to their experience. Like if we've had a, a number of people who have horses and have come to the program and, and are experienced riders, and we actually introduce them to liberty work. You know, we take them up a notch considerably <laughs> from what others do. But the regular program does not require experience at all, really. Uh, so we've had, like I mentioned, the first person really was kind of afraid of horses, but she was game. You know, she was, she wanted to, to do anything. it, but she was still a little intimidated. Yeah. She was definitely intimidated. And, you know, we've had people who were just outright afraid, but wanted to get over the fear. And, you know, it does not require experience at all. Oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. So what are some of the different activities that individuals can do in the program? Obviously, whether they have experience with horses or not, that really serves to heal them. Well, that's a great question because many of the women coming out of breast cancer treatment really wonder how in the world a horse could possibly help them, you know, because they often feel physically unable to ride, you know, or to do anything very physically challenging. And so anyway, the activities, I think, primarily restore connection, okay, the connection with other people. And through the horses, by connecting with the horses, which are often easier for them to connect with a horse, that restores their connection with other people. It restores a connection with the natural world. And most important for them, it restores a connection with themselves because they've often lost their intuitive sense of how to attend to their own well-being because they've turned that over to the medical team, you see. Yeah, yeah. And to regain that, and sometimes in some cases they've never had it very strongly is foundational to them to be able to 
re-engage with their loved ones in a meaningful way. And so it's that profound connection that horses offer because, you know, women coming out of treatment are often have pulled back from connecting with others and they don't want to be touched. They don't want to touch other people. They have issues in terms of their own stamina. They often have a, you know, higher than normal heart rate. They have issues, really they're symptoms of PTSD, of mild PTSD is what they have. And, you know, stress, higher stress levels, they have, you know, a lot of, you know, anger, hostility, anxiety, especially. And, you know, their social functioning has just been challenged. And so these activities that we do, you know, has to do with, we actually, like we walk to music. When walking to music with a horse, the horse is also walking to the music. Then there's a sense of euphoria that ensues and they can, they experience their boundaries opening to the natural world. And just, again, as I said, touching the horses, we do storytelling. We trace back ancient tales of horses and like Chiron, who was, you know, half man, half horse, who was part of the healing traditions in the Greek world up to, you know, the Black Stallion movie, but their own stories as well. We elicit their own stories. And then we play brain mind games and exercises that have to do with modern brain research that help restore a sense of their own body's wisdom. And it's really based on a lot of heart research done by the Institute of Heart Math and others, really, that validates that there's a coherent heart rhythm that horses have that extends out some 60 feet. And with PTSD war veterans, they've done this research for about 15 years now that shows just that just within about 15 minutes of being in the presence of the horse and doing something quiet, the human heart rate entrains with the horse's heart rate. And the horse's heart rate is associated with, it has characteristics of peace and calm and joy. And for many of these veterans, it's the first time they've experienced that in weeks or months or even years. And it's something that with repeated experiences is very long lasting. So those are That's some amazing. of the things that we yeah. do. It's it's quite inspiring. It's joyful. It's fun. It's really, we feel like we see miracles happening all the time. That's really, really amazing. I love that so much. Trish, thank you so much for being here with us today. If our listeners want to connect with Writing Beyond or even donate to your program after this episode, how can they do that? Well, we have a very robust website, writingbeyond.org, where they can see stories and research and details about our program, in particular to sign up for our mailing list. And there's, there's a way to donate there as well, a donate button. And you'll find out more by being on the mailing list where we send out things occasionally throughout the year. So awesome. We welcome you. Are you guys on social media as well? Yes, we are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Trish. I thank you. I Katie. can't tell you how much I appreciate the work that you do and how you're serving the breast cancer community with something that's so important to you. So thank you for being on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Our next guest grew up in Atlanta and moved to Alaska in 1994, where she met her husband and worked 
for the state of Alaska. Seeking sun, her family eventually migrated to Southern Oregon, where they have lived since 2013. It was here she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018 and began her journey and later volunteer work with Writing Beyond. Welcome, Anne-Marie Ramsey. Thank you for joining us today. Katie, thank you so much for having me and for bringing awareness to this really important topic. Absolutely. We are so glad to have you and Trish on this episode with us to talk about your work with Writing Beyond and your experiences. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about your journey with breast cancer? Sure. So just as you mentioned, in 2018 in September, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it came to my surprise because I was feeling healthy. I was looking healthy. But I will tell you how it started was I was driving home and I kind of had an itch on my upper chest. And so I itched there, but then I felt kind of a, in an interesting like lump there as well. And so I was like, well, you know, maybe it was something related to, you know, I was trying to do push-ups at the time, muscle knot or something. And so I went to my doctor right away though, just because I was like, it's probably nothing, but I'm just going to have her check it anyway. And she felt it and she's like, maybe just assist, not anything big deal, but let's just get it checked out. So then I ended up going in, of course, for the checkup. And then from there I did a biopsy and it was shortly after that, that I did in fact get the diagnosis for breast cancer, which completely shocked me, I will tell you. And then that's where the journey started. And so I went through the first couple of weeks, of course, not knowing where I stood in terms of stage or severity. They have to go through a lot of testing with the lab to determine that. So you're kind of in limbo. So you can imagine the types of thoughts that go through one's head. Oh, yeah. During that time. And then I learned that I was stage one, but that I also had a very aggressive type of breast cancer. There are, I think, at least 14 different types of breast cancer. So depending on which one the person has, will determine the treatment route. And in my case, I ended up going through the entire enchilada, as I speak, with chemo, did the surgery, I then did radiation, and I was on immunotherapy for a year at the completion of my treatment phase. And so that's a little bit about just the journey in general. And then upon ending that piece of it and the treatment phase is when I really started delving into the healing part of it. And just kind of in general, what support methods were introduced to you to help that healing process, kind of more from that mental side through this experience? I would say in terms of support methods, so while I was on treatments, of course, the person is going in, I, you know, I should say I was going in for treatments all the time. It seemed like for lab, for checking 
just to see where I was at, for making sure I was on target. And in a way, that is kind of a support, even though I didn't think about it at the time. It's like, okay, it's like I've always have somebody monitoring me and being like, and checking in and saying, okay, here's where you're at. You're on target, or we need to bring up this piece of it, or your white blood cell count is super down. And so, In a way, it was nice having that constant measure of support in terms of going through it. I also had, I I felt very blessed to have a community around me that had friends come and, you know, provide meals and support, go with me to my appointments on occasion or take notes for me in there. And I found that hugely helpful for helping me. And so I would say right up until that piece where I ended the treatments with those supports, you know, at some point people go then back to their lives and I end treatments, but then there comes a piece of like, okay, wow, I was used to all these supports and now I'm kind of let out into the field. You're like life back to normal now. Whether life back you to like normal, it or not, you know, life back to normal. Yeah, exactly. And people go back to their lives, understandably, so they're not checking in as much. And then you're kind of adrift in terms of, okay, how do I heal from all of this? Because I, and I'll back up, Katie, when I talk about the treatments, I think I need to have people know just how hard they can be on a person mentally, physically, spiritually. And they don't always see that, right? I mean, I was told to stay indoors because my immunity course was down. And I will say it's a disassembling in a lot of ways of the person themselves. I can speak from my own experience where, you know, first it's my long hair that's cut and then it's gone. And then I start experiencing side effects that are difficult to endure in the body, you know, pains, aches, rashes, and then, you know, and then there's the physical changes that happen. And so as a person goes on through these things, and then there's a consistency with lab checks and being prodded and disrobing, so the modesty eventually goes away. And so you take away these blocks, block by block, and the person can, or I, I should say, I keep saying person, but me, I felt raw. I was raw by the end of it. And so it was very difficult. And then I will be honest in saying that my relationships changed the dynamics did and in terms of my marriage and you know I have a son and he was in eighth grade at the time and was struggling to understand it himself and I would say even a little bit angry angry that this would happen to his mom he was afraid I might die my husband he was very active And I was active up until that point and went straight down to zero with the chemo and everything, just very quiet. And I think he was struggling with just 
losing that person that he had been with and trying to adapt to, wait, how do I help now? What am I supposed to do? So I think those are some of the pieces that don't necessarily get brought up in terms of understanding when a person goes through these things and the treatments. You know, but that being said, you know, with the support from the community, I grew spiritually and that really helped my mental attitude for the better and pot, you know, I just went forward and it's like, okay, I got this. I'm going to do it. I got it. Yeah. And that really helped in getting through each of these phases of the treatments. Oh, yeah. I. It's so important to have community support and people to just love on you and help you where you need it and just be there to encourage you and support you. And that's, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, but that's, you know, part of the reason why we're wanting to do this episode is just to kind of bring awareness to breast cancer. I mean, I think at this point, you know, a lot of people are are aware of it, but are they aware of some of the things that you just spoke about? Right? Like, these are hard things to talk about. And, you know, I know that there are people listening today that are either going through this themselves, or they have a mother, they have an aunt, they have a sister, they have somebody in their life that is going through it. And, we just want to be able to show everyone that, you know, we support you. We love you. We want you to make it through this and we're going to do everything that we can to help you out. And so that's why we're having this conversation. And I am so happy that you are here to talk about your story because I know it's not easy. So I really appreciate that. Yes. Yes. And everything you said, I love that. That's true. And so how were you introduced to writing beyond and what were your initial thoughts on how this could even be a part of your healing process? Well, I tell you, so upon leaving treatment, I was like, okay, I have got the ball in my hands and I'm running with it. And I am just going to pull out the stops on the healing thing. Okay, so I'm going to maybe try some yoga, meditation, journaling, all these different modalities, you know, self-care for sure. And I came across Writing Beyond. I had heard that they were having a community fundraiser and I went to it and I listened to Trish talk about the program. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to add this to my basket. It certainly couldn't hurt. And I love horses and I'm going to give it a go. So she had one spot left. She had announced one spot for a participant in her current session. So I was just about through radiation at that point. And I rose my hand and I said, I'd like to do it. I think I'm going to try it. And here I had visions of, okay, well, you know, maybe we ride horses and you know, all this, you know, fantasy thing going. And (laughs) even though I could hardly walk up and down the street at this point from energy. So I couldn't even ride a horse if I wanted to, but I did sign up. I got clearance from my doctor and 
I showed up and I will say I was a little bit skeptical of the program. I was like, okay, is this a kind of a woo-woo thing? But why not? We'll try it. And so that's how it got started. And then, so when I showed up there, Trish had some wonderful exercises to that were not involved with writing, I should say. It was more like just being with the horse, yourself and the horse and developing that connection. And so that's where my initiation with Writing Beyond got started. And did you have any background? You said that you liked horses. Did you have a background with horses? Have you been around them often? Have you ridden them? Or what was kind of your experience with horses? So growing up in Atlanta, I will say we had a pasture in our backyard. It was a suburb of Atlanta. So before it got built up to this point, but we had a wonderful pastor and we had several horses up there. I didn't ride any of those horses, but I would constantly be up there playing in the field, playing around them, petting them, bringing them apples. And so I just developed this real caring spirit towards these amazingly huge animals and I was probably about seven at the time, eight. And so that was my start with the horses. And then in college, uh, I went to school in North Carolina and I took a course on uh, horseback riding. And that was really fun. So I, there I got to learn to ride, to care for the horses, to brush them, to saddle them and take them the saddle down. So I did get a little bit of practice with being with the horses. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I kind of actually forgot about that until you mentioned it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us about a moment at Riding Beyond that changed your life? Yes, because I have one that comes to mind right away. And that was when I showed up for the session and Trish had me and Mystic in the ring and we we're kind of looking at each other and I kind of sauntered over towards Mystic and then it was explained to me, okay, here's what you're going to do, Amory. You're going to put your hand over the horse's heart. And so I was like, okay, well, give it a go. So I walked over and I put my hand over Mystic's heart for like a few seconds and just felt the heart beating. And I will say all of a sudden, it almost brings tears to my eyes now because it was such an emotional moment. It was almost like an electricity that went from Mystic's heart to my heart and literally got it pumping again. And all of a sudden I felt a jolt of electricity and it was there that I was like, oh my goodness, I, oh my goodness, I feel this connection and I feel my own self coming alive, which had been, I think, very numb up to that point, you know, and I think that is probably a survival mechanism to get through the treatments, you know, and drive to get through them, but you kind of lose a part of yourself in that. And it was just a feeling of, oh my goodness, heart, you're still in there. I need to reconnect to myself. 
where have you been, Amory? You know, where have you been? You've right here. And so thank you to that experience and that incredibly magic setting. And with that horse, I was able to realize that probably sooner than I otherwise would have. Yeah, so that was a pivotal moment on how this program could be a healing process for people coming out of all of this and, you know, just kind of coming back into society and themselves, their friendships, their relationships, mainly themselves to reignite their spirit, so to speak. Right. What a powerful moment. Just thinking about it gives me the chills as you tell that story. And it's so incredible. Horses are incredible creatures. And I know anybody listening on our podcast, they know this, right? Like horses, they just have this way to connect to your soul that I don't know if others can. And to be able to be such a support for somebody walking through the same experience that you have, the same journey. I just think it's so incredible. I will say, I think horses, you know, we take them for granted a lot of times, I think, that, and they're majestic, beautiful, big animals, but they are so intuitive and dial into the energy around them and dial into that person's energy. And it's nice that in a way that it's almost not a person. You don't have to explain necessarily yourself to the horse. You don't have to talk at all. And the horse just kind of gets it right there and dials in and is like, okay, you need a little help. I got it. I'm here to help you. And, you know, I will say that the other exercise that Trish did that was super meaningful in that process was when we were able to get on top of the horse and just lay down on the horse's back and feel the horse holding our weight. You know, here we are holding, I feel like, you know, the people going through cancer, right? It almost feels like the weight of the world is on the shoulders and heavy. And you think about your life, right? You think about mortality. You think about what's going to happen. How am I going to survive? What's going to, you know, and just to let the horse hold that for a while for you. Strong, strength. It's really freeing and an incredible feeling. I just can't even describe that. Oh, Anne-Marie, more chills. (laughs) It's such, just the way that you're talking about that, it's just such a beautiful experience that horses have been a part of for you. It's really wonderful to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was amazing. It's an amazing thing. I was glad I took the last spot. Right. Yeah. Good call on that. Thank you. (laughs) And obviously participating in the Riding Beyond program yourself has had, clearly we've heard, has made such a great impact on you but so much so that you now actually participate as a volunteer. So what compelled you to actually become a volunteer for Writing Beyond? Well, I think after completing the program and feeling that reconnection to myself, I was like, okay, now I'm on the other side of this thing. I'm moving forward and I feel like I want to give back. 
I want to give back to others that are going through this and help this program along because I think it's so important. And so it was at that point that I started volunteering, meaning I basically just showed up at events to help, you know, bring awareness to people when they would come by the table, share the publication of materials and what we do with Writing Beyond. And then I ended up joining the board and uh, was on the board for two years in the development committee to help facilitate the activities and funding to help Writing Beyond. And then, so that's been a great experience as well to be on that other side of it and being able to be in a position where I've gone through it, I can talk to people about it and be able to give back. So that's how I got involved with Writing Beyond in terms of the volunteer space. That's so incredible, especially, I mean, really just thinking about how you go to something thinking maybe this is something that can help me with what I'm going through. And it makes such an impact on you that you now are wanting to give more of yourself back to it and others that are going through the same walk that you have walked. It's just really neat. It just shows how special this program is and helpful it is for the people that are walking this journey. Something I wanted to ask you about to help anybody that might be going through this experience right now, or maybe somebody that is very close to someone who is. But what is something that you went through when you were battling breast cancer or even after the fact, after you finished treatments and, you know, pretty much had like that clear note of health and and everything, but what is something that you know now, but you didn't know back then, but wish that you had? Oh, gosh, there's so much to say on this particular point, but I <laughs> I know hindsight's always 2020, right? It's always 2020. And I would say looking back, I would say, you know, going into this process, it's easy to follow whatever the doctor recommends or says. I would back up a little bit, though, to say, Go in if you are going through this with an open mind and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions to the doctor because, you know, I thought the doctor for sure knew exactly what I needed to do and had the decisions made, but it's almost like a decision tree. You go in, there's one way you can go or you can go the other direction and you have to really examine those options carefully and do what is right for yourself. So following your instincts and we all have it and sometimes it's dormant, but if you really listen in, you know, your inner self will guide you through the process. And so I would say that was a big piece of it. You know, you are in charge of your health, your path, And so to make choices based on, you know, what you're hearing, seeing, data, take it all into consideration. I think in my case, I was whisked along really quickly. And to do it over again, I think I would have 
just sat for just a short time even to consider the options and think about them a little more carefully. Everything is a risk-benefit analysis when it comes to that. So I would say that's an important piece. Do you have any last thoughts, last words, anything that you would like to leave anyone with about this topic before we wrap this episode up today? I would just say, just, you know, be as open as you can. I think in terms of cancer and breast cancer, I know we're talking about that today, but most everyone I know now is encountering somebody they know, just as you had mentioned, you know, someone with cancer or breast cancer and, or they themselves are going through it. I would say for those folks out there that know of somebody that might be going through it, it's just helpful to let that person know that you're even thinking about them or send a a note. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with this subject, don't know how to broach it, don't know how to bring it up to the other person. And you can just, just let them know you're thinking about them. And if you're able to help in a certain way, that would be fabulous. And let that person going through the treatments maybe guide how they can be helped. And it could be driving them to an appointment. It could be taking notes for them while they're sitting in there talking with the doctor. You know, it could be making a meal. You know, it could be anything, simple things. So just doing that is just huge. And like you said, creating a little bit of community for that person is so helpful and so meaningful to helping getting through something like this. And you had even mentioned before when we were talking that once you get that clear bill of health for, you know, the time being, it kind of seems like you are just thrown back into the world, life as usual, go get them. And, you know, having that support there, you know, not that it needs to be probably as much as it was when you were going through the treatments, but just like you said, like checking in with them just to see how they're doing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Just even asking, exactly. Asking how are you doing? I mean, I'm probably what, three years out and you know, I'm still within that five-year range, they say. And, you know, one thing that survivors go through is that that's not hardly mentioned as recurrence. It's always kind of hanging over our heads, right? And we have to learn to live with that. And so just, yep, even just asking, hey, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? You know, are you healing? Okay, is great. And so, yeah, because after that person's out, they're still dealing with some of those things like, I, and I'm still being checked. I'm still on medications for a while longer that provide or cause, I should say, side effects that can be very difficult. And so, but nobody knows that necessarily and assumes that I can go back to running the six miles that I could before. And I'm still trying to be honest, to build up stamina, to run a full mile and I'm three years out. So there's definite, yeah, it's things that you normally maybe cannot see at this point physically, but internally that we're still grappling with. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Such, such a good message. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for being on today. I know that our listeners are going to really appreciate this conversation and I hope everybody felt like maybe they learned a little bit something new or even if it's just to inspire our listeners to think about someone in their life that is going through something like this and maybe shoot them a text right now. Just tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. You know, just checking in. So yeah, I have to agree, hopefully, Katie, that they do that. And what I want to mention, one more thing about writing beyond is, you know, for some people, if they're unable to help a loved one, if they're, in other words, out of state and a loved one has it in another state or something they want to help, then being part of organizations such as Writing Beyond, volunteering in some way, shape, or form is a great way to honor that person and help others. And you don't even, you know, if there's ways to either help financially or participate as a volunteer, and you don't even have to live in the state, you can provide you know, there's committees, for example, with Writing Beyond, where you can just lend your ideas, thoughts, creativity to developing the program. So I just wanted to give a shout out for that. And there may be other organizations out there. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm Yeah, that would be so wonderful. I love that. Anne-Marie, thanks again for being on here with us today. Thank you so much, Katie. So appreciate it. Thank you. Our next guest is the Vice President of Development at Living Beyond Breast Cancer and was diagnosed with breast cancer last fall. Monica, we are so excited to have you join us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Katie. I'm so glad to be here. And so as we talk, we're going to get into a little bit more about Living Beyond Breast Cancer and what you guys do and everything but so Stanley, though, is headquartered in southern Idaho, and an interesting little tidbit that I learned about you is even though you're not from here, you actually have a connection to Idaho, and I was hoping you might be able to tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. I love Idaho. So my oldest brother is a ranch manager, went to school at University of Idaho and met his wife. And she grew up in Idaho in Dubois, a really small town. So right now they split their time between Hayden Lake and Dubois. And we all wear proudly our University of Idaho gear. And it's a beautiful state. So I love visiting. I'm so happy to hear that because I am a U of I alum as well. <laughs> so that has a little special place in my heart. <laughs> It's good to hear that. Yeah. So that's awesome. I just, with us connecting and you guys are in Pennsylvania, is that correct? That is correct. I just thought that was so funny how we had that Idaho connection. So Monica, we were introduced, we started working together in a little bit of a roundabout way, but last year when we did, Stanley did our breast cancer awareness campaign, we had a podcast episode where we talked about our pink hay truck and our truck driver, Stephanie, who drives that. We raised money last year to donate to an organization that supports 
breast cancer research and support and just any of that kind of stuff that really supports that community. And we came across you guys, which is how we are now talking today. And I was hoping that you might be able to talk to us a little bit more about living beyond breast cancer. What is the organization's mission and what does it do to support those whose lives have been impacted by breast cancer? Yeah, great question. And we are so honored to have been supported and to be supported by Stanley. So Living Beyond Breast Cancer is a national nonprofit whose goal is to be with a person as soon as they are diagnosed and in treatment. And we offer really trusted information by medical advisors all over the country and a community of support. And what separates us from many other nonprofits is we focused on the lived experience. So you may be diagnosed with breast cancer, which is a medical issue, obviously, but it could affect your family. It could affect your community, your job, your finances, your emotional health. So putting all the pieces and parts together and helping people figure out the kind of lives they want to live while they're through treatment and beyond treatment, that's where we fall. And so we're trying to support the whole person and really, honestly, the whole family too. We reach now about 600,000 people in rural areas, urban areas, suburban areas, and we keep growing. And we just want to make sure that no one feels alone and that everyone feels informed about what next steps they want to take with their healthcare team and their family and their community. That's so amazing. I'm so glad that you guys are here to do that. It's such a wonderful mission that you guys have. And Living Beyond Breast Cancer has put together a wonderful campaign for October of 2022 this year. Can you share a little bit about that and how we can get involved? Sure. So our theme this year is Together We Can for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And CAN stands for, the C is Change the Conversation. So part of when you are diagnosed with breast cancer, part of that is an internal conversation that you can change with yourself from... Obviously, it is scary. It's a very scary time. But once you become more familiar with a challenge, you can begin to change your perspective on that challenge. And that's what that C means. So changing the conversation, assisting all those impacted by breast cancer, and nurturing our community. And what would be amazing with Stanley is to one key part of community for all people impacted by breast cancer, most all people, is the role of pets, including horses, but dogs, cats. And it would be just wonderful for your viewers and your community to post pictures using that hashtag together we can and then we can elevate that and share that with our community and all over our social media again because pets are unconditional their love is unconditional and they really help in the role of helping people get through a really difficult time and i think many of our listeners 
would attest to the impact that a lot of animals can have on their lives, but particularly horses, because there is just something about a horse that, I mean, there's a reason why they talk about little girls and I mean, grown women having heart horses and things like that is they're just such special animals. And I definitely think that they were put here for us to help us through more than what we even realize. And so I just really, really love what you guys are doing and would encourage our listeners if they have a way that they could jump in and join and add their pictures. It would be so special. It really would. And Monica, can you tell us a little bit about your journey with breast cancer? So I'm 55 years old. I am the mother of two young women who are both in their 20s. There is no breast cancer in my family. And last fall, almost a year ago, I went to get my annual mammogram and got the news that I had something suspicious. So I went back for more tests and a biopsy, and it was confirmed that I was diagnosed with early stage breast cancer. And despite working with the national organization, I was scared. I was really scared. And part of that was understanding what I was going to deal with in terms of my surgery and treatment, but also how was I going to communicate that with my elderly dad, my family, my daughters, my employer, and just back to that point of like all those various ways in which women in particular really organized so much, even telling my friends, what was I going to say? So fortunately, I got really good news after my surgery. I had, it was caught very early and I could go through radiation and I'm on kind of an anti-estrogen growth hormone. So that's what I'm on now, but I've got a really good prognosis and I just am in contact with my doctors. So yeah, it was quite the journey. It really was. I can now see personally how it can affect so much of your life. Absolutely. I'm so glad to hear that right now that everything is going well for you. And it's just such great news. Yeah. To hear that. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned this, but you obviously you were working for Living Beyond Breast Cancer before your diagnosis. How has the organization itself impacted you being on the other side of the table through this experience? Mm -hmm. So I took advantage of a lot of the resources that I'm encouraging your listeners to also take part of because they're free. One of the things I immediately did was I requested a peer match just to talk to somebody on the phone who went through a diagnosis similar to mine at my age. And I just wanted to know the questions that she asked her doctors and nurses. So that was a tremendous help. We have free guides that I read at home. And because sometimes when you're in the doctor's office, there's so much information flying at you that even because of COVID, I couldn't bring in a family member. So I had notes in my book <laughs> writing things down, but I also 
went really prepared. So that was another important resource that I used. And then I continued, there's free webinars and conferences. And I, what I like about that is I can kind of use them on my own time going onto our website, lbbc.org. So not when I'm afraid, but when I can really hear the information and grasp it, I can use it. So I guess for lack of better words, for like on demand, you know, not, it's not like at not this at time. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not at a set time. So I think I tried to make the most out of it and I really, really am interested and I highly recommend just finding the community and network. If it is your horse, it's fine. Like whatever it is to help lift you up when you are down or just don't know what to do. That community that Living Beyond Breast Cancer has is critical. And I continue to keep turning to that. Excellent. Monica, I wanted to ask you about, you had mentioned in some of our previous conversations that there was a grant of some sort that you guys had to support people in rural communities. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? I would love for our listeners to get some insight on that. Yes. Great question. Thank you for bringing this up. So Living Beyond Breast Cancer offers women in treatment grants so that we pay the bills of people like their rent or housing, utilities, transportation, gas really adds up. It can be frustrating to sometimes medical institutions. They make you pay for parking, which it's so hard. So we realize that's another added stress to people's lives as they're going through a really stressful time. So on our website, lbbc.org, you can find information about the LBBC fund, and that's F-U-N-D. Or you can call our helpline, which is 1-888-753-5222 and ask to speak to someone who can help you with LBBC fund. And you yourself can apply for assistance and then your medical team can provide the backup information. So again, you can do it on your time, when you need it, how you need it. And we want to be there. So these grants go out to like all 50 states of, you know, there's just so many people who, you know, have to take time off from work or, you know, just the cost of cancer is a lot. It's just a lot of money. So we want to be there to help. That's such a great resource that you guys provide. And hopefully our listeners, if this is something that you're experiencing right now, or you know someone who is experiencing it, maybe it's a family member or friend, you know, I would love if you could reach out to Living Beyond Breast Cancer and take advantage of these resources. They're here to support you and be here with you through this experience. And so, you know, I'd encourage you to share this with anybody that you know that you feel like this could help. And Monica, thank you so much for being here with us today. How can our listeners stay in touch with you and your organization and support or donate to you guys if they would like to? Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to give multiple ways because, of course, there's multiple ways to stay in touch. 
So our website at Living Beyond Breast Cancer is lbbc.org. And through that, you can make, you'll find the donate button, or you can sign up for our emails, or you can find the helpline, like I mentioned, or the LBBC fund. So you could go on our website. That's one way. You can call again. The phone number is one 888 753 5222. So always, that's a good way to stay in touch too. Or you can find us on social media and our handle is at livingbeyondbc. So we're at Instagram. That's where you'll see a lot of our educational resources and the links to how to sign up for programs. And you can also get the hyperlink to get information mailed to you. So we are here to help you in the way that you want to get your information. Excellent. There's so many options there. Monica, thank you so much for being on today and talking to us a little bit more about living beyond breast cancer and just all the tools and resources you guys have available. And of course, being on here to share a little bit about your story because, you know, that's also a huge thing to be able to do. And so we really appreciate you. Hmm. I appreciate you. Thank you. We may not have a cure for breast cancer yet, but let's help with the financial burdens of the people we care so deeply about, giving them one less thing to worry about through this whole process. Let's help them rediscover themselves and heal from the trauma caused from battling breast cancer. And don't forget to get out there and get your annual mammogram done. Remember, for every download we have on this episode and every image shared to social media with the hashtag HorsesHeal, H-E-A-L, from now through October 31st, 2022, we will donate $5 to Riding Beyond to help them serve more people who are fighting the battle against breast cancer. Download this episode on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcast apps and help us make a difference.